Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are... Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. Join it, catch it, a lot of content, a lot of cool things there. This is our August 11th, uh, 2017 show. Um, supposedly, this, this is supposed to be the dog days of summer. Fortunately, in Chicago, we haven't had any of that blazing hot weather. Um, and uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to it staying about like this because I, I really I don't need the beat down in the weather. Tonight's special guest is Keith Young. He's returning to us from, we think, about a couple years ago. But uh, not that that matters. Um, anyway, uh, Keith, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Good. Hey, where are you coming to us from? Detroit, Michigan. That's, that's okay. my hometown. All right. And, um, you know, and I apologize if I asked questions that I asked the last time, but, you know, I'm old, so I forget stuff. Um, but anyway, I mean, are you a native or or a transplant or what have you? No, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. I went to uh, our fine schools here, and I, this is the crucible out of which I have been, you know, uh, transformed into who I am today. That's pretty cool. Um especially with so many people moving around all the time. I mean, I know a couple people who were born and raised in Detroit, but then they just, like, took off as soon as they could. So it's kind of cool with you staying there. Um, for people who don't know, Keith is, is, is an educator, a designer, uh, I guess graphic designer, and an illustrator. And, and, like, what kind of stuff are you currently working on, just generically speaking, so we know exactly where you're sitting? Well, right now I'm working on a book uh, entitled Black Goddess, Legacy of the Sacred Black Feminine. Okay. uh, It's a work of scholarship, but it's also uh, there's going to be dozens and dozens of illustrations that I create uh, depicting goddesses throughout time in their uh, more original format. Um, And what I mean by that is a lot of the goddesses that we hear about um, perhaps like, uh, you know, Athena or Artemis, you know, and we associate the, them with uh, Greek and Roman culture. And right. when you go back time older than those civilizations, you find that these goddesses were there and they were women of color. They were depicted mm-hmm. as women of color and they had implements of women of color. And so it's very hard to find... Uh, those types of images outside of museums, and even then they kind of keep those the, the older images under wraps. And so what I've been doing is creating the images, um, you know, using my illustration skills to bring them back to life in their original format. Kind of exploding mainstream myth to bring to bring back the truth. 
Absolutely. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's pretty cool. To, and and you're go ahead, I'm sorry. It is to to complement, you know, just the energy that is it's here now, you know, uh last year a lot of people were running around screaming about black girl magic. You know, when we were dominating the Olympics and things like that and um you know, a lot of uh, uh women of color have been doing lots of amazing things that you know, we've traditionally and historically been told that it's not our domain. You know, we shouldn't be able to excel at We shouldn't be able to do those things. And it's like this energy is asserting itself that, uh, you know, these women of color do indeed have a depth of power that uh, we're just scratching the sur- surface of right now. And it's undeniable, especially when you see it side by side with everything else. Yes. Yeah. Um, what uh, you know, and I, I hate to bring this up, but you know, uh, when you talk about race in the United States of America, um, people like to say, "Oh, it's a very complex issue," and, and I, I have to argue that because it really is not. Race is not a complex issue in this country. The fact of the matter is, white folks think they own everything and will do most anything they can to retain that ownership and control. Now, that's a bottom-line statement for which nobody can argue, and anyone who wants to argue is an idiot, okay? And usually they don't end up being my friends for very long. But, But the fact of the matter is, you know, too much of that has permeated not only, you know, art, not only music, not only you know, it, well, especially politics. You know, look at the nonsense that's happened as a backlash to white folks being terrified they were going to lose their built-in privilege because Barack Obama was elected and re-elected. And so this is how you get a, a, a Donald Trump being president of this country. Um, so I, I like the fact that what you're doing is you're actually speaking truth to power. And, and I hope that you can get this you know, I think most especially in uh, learning institutions, libraries, because because what you're doing is you are not engaging in revisionist history or at least post-original history, you know, when they, when they co-opted these goddesses in other cultures. Um, what kind of research are you doing for this? Oh, tons of research. So years and years of research is actually going behind uh, this book. Um, I've been studying uh, the occult and metaphysics and gods and goddesses since I was, actually since I was very little. I've always been enamored of uh, the stories of uh, gods and goddesses, and it always meant something to me. I knew that there was something there. And... um, as I got older and continued to pull at those threads of mythology and legend and fable and myth, uh, I began to find that there is some solid history there, that these things came down word of mouth, from from mouth to ear, and over time they turned into the things that were written. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you speak about revisionist history, we're not not the revisers. We're, you know, I... Like what you said, you know, it's like putting it back to its original. You know, the the people who consider themselves historians, they changed the narrative, and they and they were also responsible for using the power of media to 
direct our attention to what they wanted to direct it to and to change the images to what they, you know, pictured in their minds and wanted to propagate. So, you know, we've been looking at for for decades, you know, if you've got any old books, any old encyclopedias, any old dictionaries where they have images of gods and goddesses and things of that, those were artistic representations made by, for the most part, white men. Yeah, and Europeans. So those white men uh, created those images in in their likeness and what they wanted to see. And, and it's interesting. A lot of the older images that they created, even if there are, are goddesses, they actually look quite masculine. You know, they were very uh, obsessed with the masculine form for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I began this journey um, just searching for the history of you know, us as people, people of color around the world, and how how that story has been suppressed. And it's like, as I started going even deeper than that, I found that um, before we as a people were suppressed, that they suppressed lots of information about black women and black women of, or women of color around the world being in these uh, extremely powerful positions of leadership, of being the spiritual leaders of their people, of being the cultural and uh, engineers, scientists, mathematicians, all the things that we don't even traditionally think of as being in the domain, of, like that women don't even do that kind of stuff. And it's like come yeah. to find out they were the originators of these things. They were the ones who looked at the skies and, you know, could see the cycle of the the stars spinning around, and they started keeping the records, and they were responsible for the education of their people on the physical realm, the spiritual plane, and how to you know how to make sure that there was going to be enough food for everyone to ha- to partake in. And this was before European patriarchy. We had something, you know, uh, where whereas they started to they built things from the top down you know, uh, one guy in charge and then he's in charge of everybody else. The feminine uh, matriarchal system was based on the circle or the cipher where everybody would come to the table or everybody could come to the circle and have their say um, and participate in, you know, the governance of of themselves. Um, and so that w- that has been suppressed far more than, than even the suppression of our great black history. It's, a, it's just a really interesting thing to see, so, and I, it's very important that we understand this because there's there's so many there's so much untapped potential in our in our communities. There's so much untapped potential with our our women and uh, our young ladies because they don't even think that they uh, should be doing certain types of things. And it's like no, let me let me let me sit you down and explain something to you. <laughs> well, you're the most you're some of the most powerful people ever, you know, and you have this <clears throat> legacy behind you that you don't know about, and it's important well, to learn about. Yeah, I think I think if 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 we want to go back to exactly when that happened was, you know, between ten and fifteen thousand years ago, women ruled every civilization on the planet, every single one without exception, and they ru- ruled. From their their originally it was based on their own internal mysticism. You know, women gave birth, and women could bleed without dying. I mean, those were two huge, huge, huge things when you think about a non-science oriented culture. 
And and so they ran all the civilizations for so long until men invented organized religion. All right, and, and you talked about the the circle, the cipher, the the whole that whole concept. Most of those women's civilizations ruled by consensus, not by, as you said, like a hierarchical rule, you know, where you have one guy making the decisions and then you got his disciples making sure everybody abides by them. And so so much was different that amount of time ago, you know, that, and, and, you know, in historical times, we're talking a very short amount of time, you know, 10, 15,000 years. And, yeah. and the fact of the matter is women are better equipped um, as thinkers than, we, than men are. And I hate to say that, you know, after all the relationships I've been in, but uh, the, I think that what you're doing is laudable. And it's, and it's also something that, if done well, should be relatively unassailable except to stupid people. And, and it's about time that, like I said, we, we quit practicing this revisionist history about, you know, how people want us to believe and want us to think and, and want to portray, first, women as inferior to men and, two, women of color inferior to, you know, to whites. Yeah. And and do you have like a completion date, a tentative completion date for the project? Yes. So um, my plan is for the project to be done by January 2018. I plan to have the books printed and ready to ship. So nice. I've been working to all, uh, all year. Uh, I'm a lecturer as well, and so I've actually put my uh, – my lectures and presentations on hold while I'm doing this work so I can focus on, you know, the research. And then, um, you know, I have the additional component of creating all the illustrations as well. Yeah, the so, artwork. Yeah. So it's um, quite a bit of work. Yeah, and how uh, how thick a book do you think this will be, just in pages? I'm just curious. Oh, my goodness. It, so I started off, my goal was to have, like, 88 pages, you know. <laughs> okay. Turn it into a monstrosity where I'm thinking at this point I'll probably have to have several volumes of the book. Um, right now it's it's tipping in at about 125 pages. Okay. And, and is it a good size? Would it make, like, a great coffee table book? Because I think that's kind of a cool thing to be able to – to sell it in that format because you know how people just go to other people's houses and if, if the other yeah. person has books, you pick it up and see what they're reading? That's exactly the format that uh, I plan to release it in as a coffee ta- full-color uh, coffee table-sized book uh, with a dust, complete with dust jacket. I mean, it's, it's going to have all the accoutrements. It's not just going to be, you know, something that looks small press or looks as if, you know, I made it in my basement. But, you know, I'm really pulling out all the stops to do something very elegant uh, when it comes to presentation of the book because for two reasons. Uh, one, one, which is most important, that we're talking about goddesses here. And I don't think that they deserve anything less than the best that I can put forth when mm-hmm. it comes to, to describing them and presenting them, you know, to the world. Like, you know, I, I want people to understand that they're holding something – of quality and that they're going to be able to see something of quality and, and to learn something of quality when they pick up the book. So it's going to, you know, my plan is to give it that, that gravitas, you know, 
So uh, it just doesn't look, you know, like I cobbled it together, you know, on my first desktop PC. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and first of and, and, you know, there's a certain amount of pride and accomplishment, too. I mean, you want something to look scholarly. You know, you're an educator. Yeah. And, and, and some, you want something to complement the fact that you actually put this much time and effort into it, you know, giving up uh, uh, some of your other pursuits in order to make this as good as possible. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. That, that, that's my, my intention and what I've been working towards. So, uh, mm-hmm. yes, thank you for that. Yeah, because uh, very important. Go ahead. That, 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 it's very important. That's a, that's a large part of what I'm doing. You know, the, the image of our people has been so damaged and so maligned. And, and when, we, when we start talking about the issue of race, it, it, you know, people do make it sensitive, but um, it's been made sensitive not by us, but by others. Um, and because, others you know, with an I, agenda. Others with an agenda, absolutely. And then you got you have people who come around who may not share that exact agenda, but they know that there's something wrong, as as do I, because I'm a student of history. So I know how stereotypically uh, we've been portrayed throughout the media, throughout history, right. throughout, throughout politics. I can show you books and books of pickaninnies and, you know, ug, you know very – poorly rendered black men and women um, where these images were created to create this this perception of us as being slow, stupid, uh, savage, over-sexualized, and undereducated. That has has been going on uh, since the triangular slave trade began until today. And some people... Wonder why we we you know we have to have things like you know black science fiction radio. Why do we talk about Afrofuturism? Why not just talk about futurism? Why not? You know, it's like well we still have we still have a lot of correction that needs to be done because of all of the terrible images that have been created uh, for centuries at this point, um, based around you know who we are as people and the images are how our mind is programmed. And so you can't get away from it. If you if you when we go to the movies, when we turn on the television and we see these terrible images of us as people, we we still are not getting it that it's just not television. It's just not is it's just not you you know, you're looking at entertainment. You know, a lot of people just think that oh, it's just a movie. It's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. We do need to fix these images. Because that's how we get programmed, and that's how our children get programmed, and it's how we get propagated throughout. I hate going and speaking to people from different countries, and then they say, you know, hey, have you heard, uh, you know, I talked to some Japanese guy, and he's singing, per- you know, Molly Percocet. And I'm like, that's the most terrible rap song ever. And, you know, <laughs> that's the representation that they get of me, me as a black man. They think I'm going to start singing about drugs. Or they think that, that you know I'm I'm a gangster or I, you know I'm I'm to be feared because of the images that have been not just propagated against me, but then that gets introduced to people of different ethnicities as if that's who I really am, as as if that's who my son is, as if that's who you are, and we know that that's completely not true. 
So we have a lot well, of work to do. We do need these forums to share the, the correction of our image. I, I, I agree about 185%, but there's a problem there. Um, okay, you and I can do what we can to fight this. You, you're doing it in, in a very, very great graphical format to show this is what, the ori- what, what came first. Me, I wrote and depicted black people who I grew up with, and not a single one of them was a drug dealer. Some took drugs. Um, not a single one of them was a rapper because I grew up earlier. Um, not a single one of them was Oprah, you know, although we did live across the street from Dick Gregory and Muhammad Ali used to sneak and park in our parking lot so he didn't get a ticket. But, I, you know, I'm just saying, you know, all of these depictions that are so negative about us, uh, you know, had nothing to, we had absolutely nothing to do with them. And yet, unfortunately, the onus is upon us to try to have to correct them because we got some stupid-ass people out there who are content to, to just live and wallow in their ignorance. So, I, you know, I have a tough time with that, especially yeah. not getting angry about it, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, and, and they talk about, oh, you know, well, black folks should be doing something to make cops, you know, to not murder them you know, and things like that, and, and Black Lives Matter is only making it worse or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, white folks have been murdering us for, let's see, what is it? It's uh, 2017. They've been murdering us for 398 years with impunity. This is not our problem. It's their problem. And, you know, the yeah. problem only gets solved if they will do something about it because, you know, White folks are so scared after, after Obama being elected, they will do anything they can to cling to power in this country. And they're, they're scheduled to be a minority in the 2040s. You know, yeah. Latinos are going to take over as the majority racial population of this country. So, yeah. so how crazy are they going to be then? You know, they, they want, you know, you got these asks, excuse me, you have these people in Texas uh, in the Texas Board of Education, who pretty much control all of the textbooks that get sent out to all of the uh, elementary and high schools because they buy so many of them. And so yeah. if people, if boards, the Board of Education in Texas, a, as they did last year, don't want slavery in American history, you know, what, what's, uh, what's uh, I, I can't even think of one of these Follett. What's Follett supposed to do if they want to sell textbooks? You know, and, and you've got this revisionist history. You have, and, and there was some dumbass guy, I forget who it was, who said that basically blacks came here as indentured servants and they could buy their freedom. You know, and, and you've got somebody saying that on television without any rebuttal. And like you said, it just self-perpetuates. You know, you hear it. It recycles, you hear it again, you hear it again, you hear it again, until it becomes part of the lexicon. And that's, dude, you're, you're facing an uphill battle. I hope you sell a ton of these books. I really do. I hope so, too. <laughs> well, yeah. I know. I <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I, I share your sentiment, you know, because that's where, you know, we we get to see overtly the racism, you know, when we're talking about politics or we're talking right. about police 
hospitality or we're talking about, you know, I can't go in certain restaurants or certain towns and be treated with respect. We can see that very overt. But the, one of the areas that sneaks up on us all the time that many people don't pay attention to is academic racism where, you know, we're, we're being hit from the moment we step foot in preschool to the moment we graduate from high school, college, university, that we've been given a false narrative. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I, I, I came to learn very soon uh, was something about violence. The word violence isn't just about physical violence. It's just not about me shooting someone or punching them or getting kicked in the face. Um, violence in its – there's a sense to violence when it's editorial. What that means is that when someone edits uh, a work of history or a work of religion and they write you out of it and put themselves in that, that's a form of violence against your mind. That's a form of violence against your spirit when you place your, you know, your spiritual growth and development into the hands of people who are using books written by people with a racist agenda. And we've all been victims of that. From the mo once, I, once again, this happens starting in preschool in America. This mm -hmm. happens with our parents, our grandparents, and it perpetuates itself for generations, and we don't even know that we're the victims of that type of violence. And I'm on the vanguard of fighting that particular type of violence, this educational violence, this religious violence that says that we were, we are, we're a cursed people, the religious violence that says that somehow we deserve slavery, somehow we deserve the things that happened to us, and that there were no you know, people of color of note in the Quran, in the Bible, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Greek myths, in the Roman myths, we have been violently edited out. And they threw bleach all over the images, they threw bleach all over the statues and washed off the color and says it's just white. It's just plain white. It's as white as you can get. It's alabaster white. It's so white. And we just disassociate ourselves. Ah, that's not for me. I'm not, you know, I don't, you know, even if we start to become educated, we still eschew some of these things from you know, these ancient civilizations because we don't feel like we participated. How many people do you talk to that actually really know that Greece was started? It was founded by African people. People from Africa, women from Africa, went and founded the states of Greece, founded the states of Rome. They're not just Rome, Turkey, and, all, and very many other places that we consider to be the Middle East today and once again, we don't think we had anything to do with that because they took, somehow they took the Middle East out of Africa or detached it from the continent, which is geologically impossible. But um, we, don't, we, we don't even consider these things when we're looking in history. We're like, oh, that's not me. No. And come to find out, <laughs> yeah, that was, yes, it was you. And it was you at a very high level of accomplishment. And I'm trying to re-inject that back into our collective unconscious because, you know, uh, we've been held down for so long, I feel that our potential at this point is unlimited because we have the farthest to snap back. So, it's you know, it's time to put this information out there and let it be known that these traditions, these legacies do belong to us by right, by birthright, by blood 
and by you know hard work and scholarship. We 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 earned all of this this stuff. And um, the 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 heights of academia, we don't have to. You know, we need to lose that whole narrative about because I speak properly, I'm somehow speaking white, or because I'm into math and numbers and science, somehow I'm into the white man science. That's ridiculous. All these things belong to us, and it's time that we embraced them and took them where they to the level that they, you know, we, we can take them, which is at, I believe is unlimited right now. You know, and and that 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 is, uh, I mean, that's that is the question. You know, what what is it going to take for us to be able to wrestle control of our own destiny? And and it's it's a it's a it's a big ass question, and you have it's a tough it's a tough play to figure out where do you start. Okay, because you know, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But in my, to, to answer your question, I do I do believe that um, the first place we need to look is inside of ourselves, and we need to take a hard look at the anger that we feel, which is justified, the victimization that we feel, which is justified, but those are stumbling blocks to our success. Why? Because as long as you continue to make yourself and hold on to being a victim, you can't at the same time think about how you're going to overcome, how you're going to uh, rise to the challenge, how you're going to become something new because We've been caught in a trap. So the American trap for us that we keep getting pulled back down into because it's so easy to get pulled down into is that, oh, my God, they did it again. Oh, my God, they just shot another black kid in the back. Oh, my God. And then we go right back into anger mode. We go right back into victim victimization. We even put other ethnic groups, um, sexual orientations, people who other oppressed people, We'll even put them in check and say, no, don't forget us. We the first ones that that need to complain. We, you know, you got reparations. We still ain't got no reparations. You got this. Oh no, you listen. Your suffering is nothing compared to that. And I'm not saying to let it go because there's no such thing. That's a part of who we are. Our struggle here in this country and around the world. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is that we put that in its proper place and get down to the business of overcoming these challenges. You cannot be a victor if you continue to think like a victim. And it's a very hard thing to do because the, the pain is so fresh, and they, the people who oppress us know that. So they con- these things are, are contrived. Um, they're, the, they're, the police shootings, brutality, the politics, it's basically we're just watching one big reality show, and they know what they're doing. They know that whenever an atrocity occurs to us, that puts us collectively back into a space of anger and being victimized, which means that we cannot get down to the business of thinking our way out of these problems. We cannot get back down to the business of using the spiritual power that we have to work our way out of these challenges. Why? Because I'm scared that my son walks down the street to go to the store that he might not come back. 
so if we can if we can put that kind of thing in its proper place um and and be about the business of educating ourselves, be about the business of building each other up uh and uh working on our economics and things of that nature we can we we have all the potential in the world to do that, but because we our minds have been so jacked up and and we continue to let people in by the bullshit that they do um we we still have a very you know a a hard road to hoe so yeah you know, I, I agree so. i i agree and and this is something that i've been uh i've been looking at very seriously for about the last two years um and and I think I have a way forward and it's it's not perfect because the thing that that can destroy the way forward is blacks who adhere to a, a white induced zero sum mentality. Okay. And, and, and what I mean by that is a certain amount of cultural desperation that has been instilled in us in the last 400 years where, where fear wins out over, over the noblest pursuits of trying to improve our lives, our children's lives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. And, and one of the things that I came up with is that, and, and it's a separatist mentality, but I would like to see us have more of our own communities that we completely control so that we don't have to worry about these rogue impulses that society wants to impose on us to keep us separate and unequal and scared. Um, And and if we start creating communities, and I'm not talking about, you know, west side of Chicago or south side of Chicago, let's think about grabbing a suburb and and having a better school system and and actually parceling out the taxes collected into, you know, fair assessments of what needs to be done as a community. And, and, And the problem with that is, it only takes one stupid, rogue, dark person to, to mess things up. And I, so I, I struggle with the way forward, but I think I've got a way, and I think I can find enough people where that's going to work. As a matter of fact, I'm writing about it right now. I, I, uh, you know, my second trilogy is going to be about how do we create sustainable African-American communities in this country where where people actually have the mentality that you talk about and they're instilled with the kind of uh, uh, more than pride, uh, the, the, the gumption and the intent to not only live a better life, but each successive generation has it better than the previous one. Yes. Well, you know, I I, I do believe that that's why you know your form is so important, and why this, the discussions around science, black science fiction, and Afrofuturism are so important because that is that is us looking to the future and making plans for the future. And mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. so we can go down categorically and talk about how you know science fiction has become science fact. Time after time after time, the imaginations of our writers, our musicians, our illustrators and, and painters, those imaginations 
are a glimpse into what our future could be. And it's so it's so vitally important that we embrace these arts and sciences and, and to envision uh, our future, to to have these conversations because the more mind power we we put to it, you know, uh, I was told at a very young age, and it's been proving itself again and again, if you can conceive it and believe it, then you can achieve it. If we can sit here and have this conversation about it, if you can write a whole book about it, if you can write a whole trilogy about it, you're you're participating in making that into a reality. That is our science, and I, I'll do you one better. You know, I really would like to get into the ears of a lot of these hip-hop artists, especially ones who are more educated, like a, a, a brother like T.I. Uh, you know, he was on a... a a radio, not a radio show, but a talk show with Trevor Noah. And Trevor, who was a, a, a brilliant uh, comedian, uh, asked him about the lyrics, the lyrical content and, and his recent activism. And he says, well, how do you, you know, how do you make that jive, you know, the, some of the things that you've said and, and, and continue to say, how do you make that jive with your black activism? And T.I. gave a very good answer. Um, he was talking about how basically – the hip-hop artists are a mirror of their community. And so if you want the words to get better, then, you know, our communities need to get better, and then we'll, we'll reflect that. What I would add to that, however, is that's not African science. That's not Native American science. That's not, that's not how we do things spiritually. How we do that, and I, I really would like these people to hear this, is that we would speak the thing that was not real and turn that into reality. So it might not be my, my neighborhood might not be the best neighborhood right now, but I'm going to talk about it like it is. And that's, that's a part of creating that reality for myself. It's even in the, it's, it's so, that, that, that thought is so basic and rudimentary, it's even in the Bible. It says, <laughs> you speak it and speak it. You speak what's not real until it becomes real. So, you know, us having these conversations, we are creating this new thing. So it's so important that we keep doing this, um, having these forums available and having more people put their minds to the task of creating a black future. Because very shortly, I believe, that, that science fiction is going to become science fact. Well, I and I, I certainly hope that too. You know, that's that's my goal because you know I sit in, uh, you know, I sit in my little office here on the north side of Chicago. Growing up a South Sider, but I had to get away from my parents. I apologize to everybody for leaving my roots, but you know sometimes you got to get away from the folks. But um, and and I say to myself, okay, so so what are your grievances? And I have to sit down and I have to think specifically about what what grievances I have about our culture, both the Americana culture and then what would be culture for, for black folks. You know, what, what is it? You know, what are my grievances? And then, I, then I, the thing I have to do is I have to think about, so how do I change it by myself? Because I have to start with me first. Um, and then maybe if other people feel the same way and there's some commonality, then then it can grow. 
And one of the ways I do it is I try to present ideas in what I write that, that not only provoke thought, but give people a different perspective in, uh, uh, in how to look at the world around us. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, what you said about Afrofuturism and science fiction and everything is absolutely on the mark. Because remember, uh, black kids didn't grow up thinking that they could be president until just recently. You know, and all of a sudden, we have a whole generation being raised up now of, of black children who knew nothing but, until recently, uh, a black president. Yeah. And so when, when, when you know, you're, when you, the thing about the Bible is right. Because in advertising, they say if you're going to have, uh, you know, try to give any kind of information in a radio or TV ad, you have to say it three times. Well, I, you know, that's, that's exactly why, why you have to keep repeating these, these themes. Um, yeah. I don't know if, if anybody else knows about it, but uh, Paul Butler uh, wrote a book called Chokehold. Um, and it, I think it's a book that's well worth looking at. I'm going to order it next week. And he talks about... Uh, here's his quote. He says, I worked as a prosecutor, then I was arrested, and the experience made a man out of me. It made a black man out of me. And, and we are all born of our experiences. And you talk about the rage. You talk about the insult. You know, you talk about what's going on every day in, in a, a man of color's life, a woman of color's life, a child of color's life. And, and it's, it's a never-ending string of micro-insults and micro-aggressions against them, and, and that's by design, you know? That's by design. And, and sometimes I sit here and wonder, you know, is this even solvable without, without Garrett Morris from uh, Saturday Night Live? You know, as a matter of fact, all of his black friends thought he was a sellout for going on Saturday Night Live until they did the jail scene where he was singing the song, I'm going to kill every white man I see. And, and then, you know, that gave him legitimacy. But, but what does it take? What does it take to make white cops stop murdering black folks? You know, mostly because they know even if they do, what do they face as a consequence? 30 days on a desk, you know, 30 days on a desk. And then you have the, the universal get-out-of-jail-free card for white folks, and all they have to utter in court in order to get off from, you know, harming or murdering, you know, a black person is, I feared for my life. Well, well when the hell did we become so scary? So, you know, I look at all of the imagery. I look at the perpetuation of the, the, the BS that, uh, you know, that, that's used as the excuse for all these microaggressions all the way up to murder. And it's a tough road to hoe. And, and I think one of the things that will help, although that's, this is a, a backhanded, tough way to go about it that you've chosen, is to, uh, to, to render truth to power in your book. Because the, the question is going to be, how do we get this kind of information in the heads of, of people in an effective way? And I'm not saying... You know, I'm not saying that you're, you've chosen poorly or anything. What I've said is, you, you know, you have chosen a very important thing which may be difficult 
to get in, into everybody's hands. So on, on that note, I want to ask you, you know, how do you see yourself marketing this to get as wide cultural dissemination as you possibly can? So initially I'm, I'm starting out very uh, conservatively, um, I do have, you know, somewhat of a following through the, you know, the presentations and educational programs that I have been doing in and throughout, you know, the city. Um, and uh, so I, I will be doing online distribution is the first thing, which will give me a worldwide, you know, uh, reach. Give you some reach. Um, yeah, give you some reach. Yeah. So, you know, the book will be available on Amazon. It will be available from my website. It's good. It will be available from several different outlets, you know, that uh, can ship it to as many places as wanted. Um, and then I, I do plan to actually just do a book tour and go around speaking about, you know, what what I've written, you know, give some presentations and classes and things like that. You know, I've, I've been reaching out to women's groups and women's expos and black women's expos mm-hmm. in particular, things of that, you know, nature, where basically to go where they are and to go where where there are women looking for empowerment. They're looking for success. They're looking for new ways to see themselves and new ways to grow. I want, I, I want to put this there in front of them so – you know, that those women who are already on that vibe or that are already on that wavelength can, oh, wow, okay, I didn't know this was here. Let me d- dive right in. They're, we're already on the same page. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, get to people who are, you know, just completely lost, nowhere to go. They're not even interested. You know, those that's, that's something that's going to have to happen a little bit more uh, passively. Um, I'm aggressively going after, you know, women who have the stated purpose of being entrepreneurs, being businesswomen, being, you know, spiritualists, being into their natural hair, being into eating clean, being into, you know, there's so many positive movements in and throughout our communities where we're, we've decided that we don't want to keep frying, frying the hell out of, our, out of our hair. We've decided we don't want to keep eating garbage all day, every day, we want to eat more, you know, more clean vegetables and fruits and, you know, go to farmer's markets. And, you know, there's so many places where uh, there, the, the people that I'm trying to connect with are, are there. Um, and right. so that's the, those are the kind of places I'm reaching out to, to, uh, you know, let it be known what I'm doing and what's going to be available and why it's important. You know, you know how how it is that we can you know line up our vibrations so that we can work together. Um, because what you said is so it is very key. We ha- we're you know I'm the first person who has to fix me. Nobody else can fix me but me. However, once I've I've got myself relatively worked out, I do I do need to reach out to my brothers and sisters who are on the same wavelength so that we can go further together. You know, I could do a lot of stuff by myself, but I still I, I I need the cooperation of like-minded people to help me go even further, so we can all go. Um, other than that, you know, it just becomes you know I I would just become another part of the capitalist you know uh, pyramid. You know, I'm just trying to climb up on the backs of these people so that I can get a nice view, and that's not my goal. 
I've always, uh, uh, you know, been a proponent of, you know, going as far as I can go, but definitely reaching back down to help help as many people up as want to come. You know, I'm throwing ropes down. I'm <laughs> throwing out life jackets and everything else I can do to help other people to, you know, realize that they have this power too. Um, that, and that's where I'm really trying to strike at the heart of, you know, black women in particular, that you have this power inside of you. Nobody can take it from you. And so you can do this. You can do this. You can you can be as you can shine as bright as the brightest star because that's inside of you. I, once we tap into that, I, you know, that's where I think a lot of the breakthrough is going to come for us as people because we've been so beat down and we've been so closed off and we, you know, we walk around with a a shield of protection on all day just just because we might see something crazy on the news. And we hope we don't actually have a real-life experience with, you know, one of those microaggressions that you're talking about. So we walk around protected and closed off all day. And unfortunately, with that type of protection on, it keeps our, it keeps our true essence from getting out, too. So the only way that I can see that we do it is empowered. If I come through with something strong, if you come through with something like, when when people look at your work and say, "Wow, that was really well done," that was now that's a that's a guy who's got it going on. He he did that professionally. He speaks well. He that's a great looking image. It's professional. Th- that is it right there. When we when we start to do those those things, more people are going to want to do it like that. You know, I'm I'm certain that you've met you know these media creators who. You know, they're they're trying, and they kind of bootleg things together, and it looks bootleg together, and then you're kind of looking like, oh, well, yeah, that's a really good, all right, yeah. I, I, well, keep going, man. You know, you're doing good. <laughs> but, you know, we can really do something excellent, something, um, you know, that's just uh, the great work. If we can do it well, then it encourages other people to do it well. You know, two things real quick before I forget, because I am old. Um, the first thing is I think another group that you could do well to target is mothers. Mm. You know, mm. because yeah. because they they sit, they read, they talk, you know, especially mothers of daughters, because I think your mm. book would be ideal for, for a girl to grow up with. Um, and, uh, of course, just in saying that, I forgot about the second thing I was going to say. Oh, but the other thing is you, you mentioned touring, uh, you know, black women's expos and things like that. We have a fairly big one here in Chicago. Um, it moves around. I think the last one I went to, where the hell was it? It was, uh, I think it was at McCormick Place. It was big. So if you come down for the Black Women's Expo here in Chicago, i got to take you to lunch, okay? For sure. I'm going to take you up on that. All right, yeah. Well, most people do because they like it when they can reach in my pocket. <laughs> now, <I'm> not... <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, you've done such a remarkable thing. You've set out to do a remarkable thing, you, it, and, it, and it's being done from a scholarly context, not merely from an artistic one. And adding the art, I think, is adding, you know, is just kind of 
what do they call that, icing on the cake. So that's pretty cool. You know, in, in terms of changing our circumstance within this culture, you know, that's such a big, huge problem with so many parts to it. It's tough to figure out where where to effectively start. But I think that, you know, educating a public, educating a populace, educating a race, educating a subgroup it is a good way to start, even though it's getting harder and harder and harder to do that. Um, uh, it, let's talk a little bit about your educational credentials so people can know a little bit about, you know, what it is that you do as an educator. Um, you, do you mind doing that? No, I don't mind at all. Uh, are, are you associated with a, a learning institution right now? No. So um, how I got into education was by way of I, – I was actually a Detroit police officer for nine years. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that, that. I remember you – I just remembered you telling me that before. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, so I got to see firsthand a lot of the things we've been chatting about as far as social injustice and – you know, our place in that. You know, I got to see right. from the top, the top to the bottom how our people are being marginalized, victimized, and monetized based on them perpetuating this racist culture on us. And right. the police officers are a cog in that machine. They're one cog, but they are a cog in that machine. Um, and I actually, you know, unfortunately, I got into being a police officer to, to actually protect and serve people, not to protect and serve businesses um, or, or gov you know, these government institutions. And so being, being a part of that and seeing how it works, um, I said I, I can't continue to be a part of this. So what I did was, while I was still employed by the Detroit police, um, I began writing a business plan to start a, a profit uh, to teach young people how to do graphic design, web design, video games, and 3D modeling and animation. And uh, that took me about a year. I wrote the grant. I wrote, you know, wrote the program, and I resigned from the Detroit Police Department. Um, after I resigned, I started a program called the Creation Station, and I did it in concert with several nonprofits around the city of Detroit, places uh -huh. like Focus uh, places like Vanguard Community Development Corporation. Uh, I have done work with various schools, but as a con you know, as a contractor offering my educational services for their young people. Um, sure. So I'm not, you know, no, I don't have anyone o over the head of me, you know, uh, that has, you know, I, I have several cer certificates from places like Adobe, you know, to learn their software or to teach their software. Um, I'm mm -hmm. a certified technical trainer and things like that, but um, I, I went to. I'm a graduate of Cass Technical University. I mean, Cass Technical High School in Detroit, which is you know one of the. If you hear about any high schools in Detroit, that's usually one of them. Okay. Um, and I went to the University of Michigan for two years. I did not finish. Um, and everything else from there, I have been a self-educated person. And uh, my normal habits of study have to do with picking a subject around which I'm interested and reading between five to ten books on that subject. Um, I read so I read so much so that I can uh, you know cross reference the information. I can you know either validate or 
you know, um, discredit, you know, certain things that I was taught um, or certain things that I've learned just to, you know, just to, to really test it out. So I, I do a lot of intensive study um, on my own. So I, I guess you would call me a, an armchair educator <laughs> or, a, uh, you know, I, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm it's a more like you're non-traditional. I don't think you're an armchair anything. You know, just merely because you don't do it the traditional way doesn't make you any less an educator nor any less able to to educate others, you know? I don't um, – so, but I, I, I like the fact that you, you know, you your whole focus is kind of like community outreach. And, and to do it from the perspective of a former cop, um, you know, I can't see you – being anything but good at taking a look at a, a situation, taking a look at an issue, and, and drilling down to what the essence of the issue is and then drilling back up to try to find a cure. Um, yes. So, yeah. well, I mean, you know, there you go. What's, what's interesting go about that is um, I discovered that uh, – once upon a time, we had something called the mystery system. You know, that's a part of African culture, the mystery system. What, what's the mystery system about? The mystery system is about spirituality and the gods and the goddesses and what happens after you die, what happens before you die. Um, and that particular realm, a lot of uh, European scholars, they poo-poo that. They're like, no, if you can't see it, if you can't touch it, if you can't feel it, it's not real. And so let's ignore it. It's, it doesn't exist. And for people of color, that absolutely does not work because we all know that there is something else going on besides what we can see, touch, taste, and hear. We all know it. We all feel it. We've all had some type of supernatural experience. We've all had some type of psychic phenomenon occur to us. We've all seen things and heard things that you cannot explain with today's science. Right. Um, and so I'm interestingly equipped to deal with looking into the mystery school because, you know, one of the things I studied was being a detective. You learn deductive reasoning. You learn how to figure out a mystery, which I just thought was, was very ironic when I started applying that knowledge to trying to figure out the mystery of who we were as people. Because it is a mystery, because the crime that has been committed was the assassination of our historical character, the assassination mm -hmm. of our political systems, the assassination of our spiritual systems, and our image has been murdered, and nobody's talking about these murders. These are, these are cold cases in the extreme. And I'm like, wow, I was a cop, and now I'm trying. <laughs> I used to figure out real murder. I used to figure out real crime, and now it's like, okay, well, this is the crime of the millennium mm -hmm. that I get to you know, put my mind to to figuring out. So everything is everything, you know. I, I do believe everything is connected, and that there's, you know, uh, a certain amount of synchronicity between um, situations and people. And so I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. When I was a police officer, I needed to do that because I needed to see certain things from a certain perspective. Um, 
which which now affords me the ability to be able to look into these uh, long-hidden histories, these long-hidden mysteries, and do some figuring out. And once I figure it out, the first thing I'm doing is telling. I'm, ooh, I'm telling. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, um, I love it. You know, once again, the fact that we've been so suppressed and oppressed for so long, to me that means that we just have so much potential that we can tap into at this particular time. So I'm I'm excited. I get excited when I find out new information about our history, about a new Mm -hmm. goddess, about a new, you know, something that I've never heard of, about Amazons. You know, that whole Wonder Woman thing, that was all black women. That was all women of color. And it was so far-reaching. We have no clue how far-reaching those Amazons, they weren't just hiding away on some little island. That was like the last, the last outpost, that one little island that they put in that movie or in that whole, mm-hmm. you know, mythology. Right. Amazons used to be all over the planet. They were like the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines. And they had regiments, I, and they, had, they, they even had a corps of engineers, which meant that besides going into new places, kicking ass, and setting up a, a, a new um, uh, civilization there, they went there and built things. They went there and built buildings. They went there and built bridges. They went there and set up waterworks. And that was women, black women, who did that all over the world. And you know what? Most of our spiritual institutions, if you can go into a spiritual building and you feel something, you're like, well, well yeah, but I, I, you know, I know this thing isn't real, but I feel something in this place. Guess what? They built it on top of one of those old sacred sites that the Amazons built. So a lot of these, a lot of the, the these uh, cathedrals, a lot of these mosques, a lot of these temples are built on top of older edifices that were put in place by the Amazons. Ooh, I'm telling. <laughs> I mean, the cool part is you're having fun with the book, too. You know, a lot of people will do something scholarly and go, oh, man, I really got to get through this, blah, blah, blah. But the the whole I'm telling aspect is so hilarious, dude. Um, And and then, you know, since you're doing your own illustrations and stuff like that, um, when did you start, like, as an artist? Were you like a three-year-old kid with crayons and you just kept going, or was this something that you kind of picked up later? What was the deal with that? Yeah, I was always an artist. I was born that way. Um, not many people in my family were artists, though, and so um, I didn't have anything to learn from. Um, and that was my, – my folks didn't really invest in a whole lot of books. And the first book I ran across that spoke to me was uh, – how to Draw Comics the Marvel Way by Stan Lee. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was my first book, and for many years, that was the only book I could find on the subject. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I went to school, you know, when I was in, I took all the art classes I could take in school. I went to the, I was a part of the design program at Cast Tech. I went to U of M for visual design. And, um, you know, once again, you know, during my course of self-education, I would continue to buy books and things like that about the subject. Um, so 
outside of being a police officer, I've also been a designer and an illustrator for a very long time. I've worked mm-hmm. for very many professional companies. I've published books for others. I've done book covers, magazine covers, magazines. I've done entire books, catalogs. I've done the, I've done catalogs for the big three automotive companies. I've done catalogs for Kmart and Sears. Um, so what I'm saying is I actually have professional design experience, um, so I know what I'm doing. I, I do understand the science of color, um, and I understand how to lay things out, um, and I'm pretty good at it. Um, and I'm, uh, I've been honing that my entire life. So I'm a very multifaceted person. I embrace that about myself. I know very you know, there's lots of us that, you know, you, you can't put us in a box. You can't just say I'm one thing. You know, when people ask me, well, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? It gets a little difficult because I do so much. I can do so much. I actually have to sit and focus on a couple of particular things um, just so I can get things done. Because my mind is, you know, I'm all over the place sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'll well, you be know on in between studying and writing, and then, oh, man, I got this picture in my mind. I just got to get it out. So. You know, that, that that's not unusual for creatives, you know, and, and to to have multiple interests is, is, like, great. And actually, since you said what you said, I'm going to keep you in mind because I'm going to need three book covers, like, you know, down the road. <laughs> and if you're not, you know, if you don't break the bank, it's going to work out just fine because I want to start I want to start including more black creatives in the things that I do. Um, just just not out of any great big, you know, put it up in the in in lights in the sky kind of thing, but just because I do want to start supporting more creatives around me. <laughs> Excuse me. So anyway, look beyond that though, since you've been doing all of this, obviously you're 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 a great graphic designer. Um I'm I'm kind of looking forward to when your book comes out because I want to take a look at it myself. And and there's so much fodder for it. Like you said, you're going to you're going to be doing multiple volumes, right? It looks like it. It does look like it's going to be a multiple volume work because there for one, there's so many goddesses, and then you know, as I've been doing the illustrations, I'm like, man, I'm not gonna have room to write the write write the actual words. There's so so many images, you know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. need to be in there. So it, I I don't want to. I'm not gonna create a big, huge monster volume, uh, at least not at first, because that that's the temptation. You know, it's like when you you're learning these things and you're putting it together. It's like I want to throw everything at you know, the whole kitchen sink at everybody. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to present it so that it's digestible and enjoyable um, and that, you know, you're going to want to come back for more is the idea. Hell, I'd do it by continent or by civilization, you know? You know, that that's that's those are some categorical ideas that I've been batting around. You know, I've should I do it that way? Should I do it by yeah. alphabetic? You know, there's so many ways to do it. Or should I do it by theme? Should I do it by archetype? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, oh direct. yeah, oh yeah. And and don't listen to me because you know I've made some monumental mistakes in my life. So you know I'm not the best person to get that kind of idea from. But I think that the genre, okay, first of all, 
you could do that, all right? And then there's even somebody who can, you know, maybe maybe a, a, a woman scholar slash artist would want to take on the male version of what you're doing, you know, because after after women were, their power was taken away by organized religion, you know, there were still some decent men out there who, who did help propagate good civilizations that treated their people well, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm talking about people of color, um, black yeah. folks. And, and yeah. you know, the other thing that I really, I really love rubbing in the face of, uh, you know, really obnoxious white folks around me, I tell them, well, you know, you're descended from Africans. And then they, you know, they start talking about Ireland and stuff like that. I said, well, first of all, you're too stupid to talk to me, but I'm just going to let you know. The original humans came from Africa. So unless yeah. you're descended from monkeys or manatees or whatever, you are <laughs> descended from black folks, you dumb son of a... Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not real in. subtle. I'm not real subtle anymore. You know, I am a rocking chair and a porch away from being that guy. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. What, oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, in that vein, you know, there's so much that I, I have to share. You know, so the goddess is just the beginning. I, I believe that I'm, I'm starting by sharing about the black goddess in my book um, uh-huh. because they are the mothers, right, of civilization. So they teach the babies. Right. They, teach the, they teach the boys and the girls. Um, well, but and they I have created... A, I, Wait a minute. You you can't pass up the fact that they created the original rule sets, the original rule sets for civilization, period. Yeah. You know, when you yeah. think about that, that's awesome. That's monstrously awesome that, yeah. that essentially, you know, well, anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is that, you know, I haven't forgot about the brothers because we – there is a tradition of black gods and heroes, mm-hmm. which is very important for our narrative. The the story of the hero that I really have to get to um, sharing because that's so important for us. You know, I, I think it has the potential to to actually help us in so many areas of our lives, including black relationships, because you know. Uh, through slavery and Jim Crow and, you know, racism today, uh, our relationships have been destroyed through interventions and through the mindset that we now have towards each other. Um, And if we could just understand some of the things that, uh, some of the links that we used to go in the name of love, um, Mm -hmm. I think that will go a long way towards healing black women's heart and black men's hearts. You know, we used to do some very amazing things. There are so there are a lot of amazing stories that I've been able to unearth about black love. You know, those songs that we used to sing about you know climbing every mountain and swimming every sea. Those those are from some of the most ancient primordial stories of our love towards one another, mm-hmm. and we we've, we've forgotten those things. You know, we have a, a cultural amnesia about that um, based on trauma. Um, but, you know, I, those things do, I plan to reintroduce those themes um, back into our cultural lexicon so that we can, you know, um, get back to 
uh, not just get back to, but be able to move forward in love, because that's not what we're doing now. We're we're chasing this very false idea about well, what's what's a man? What what should a man do? What's a woman? What should a woman be doing? And what should we be doing together? And we have all these alien ideas about family and marriage, and you know, uh, the blending of responsibility and things like that. The, you know, a lot of the ideas that we have taken on as something to aspire to don't even belong to us culturally. They're very alien ideas to us, and so that's why a lot of us are having a hard time making them work. Um, so I just want to share some of those things that i found that will help to, you know, maybe correct some of the ideas that we have about love and marriage and men and women and what we should be doing with each other, um, mm-hmm. because there is a context for that. So I, 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 I'm just getting started. The, the whole goddess thing is just to kick off because that's you start at the be, you begin at the beginning. But yeah. before it's over, I have I have yeah. a, a lot of projects in mind for black men, women, and children um, to to share this same type of information with. Someone in the chat room mentioned that uh, the, the the concept that you're talking about has been done before, and I was just looking at this book, and this looks like this is called Goddesses in World Mythology, and it's the revised edition, but it doesn't say anything that I see here about women of color. I think this is probably a little more generic, and and it's a it's a smaller book. It's not a coffee table book, so... Uh, I think you're safe. <laughs> you know, in terms you know, of originality. I, I, you know why I'm safe as well. You know, none of when we're, none of these ideas are original. I'm not. I, I, oh no, one, you're I'm, right. Yeah. I'm, for one, I'm talking about history. I'm talking about something that's already happened. It's already been done. Um, sure. What I am. What, what's new, however, is my representation of it. I have not. I have not found one book with the images in it that I'm creating. Not one. Okay. All right. I've not found one book with the story the, the combined cultural stories in it. When I see books like that and other books and I've read several, uh black women are a footnote or they'll they'll you know how I find things is because the scholar reporting on it slips up. They'll say, Well you know Artemis is a this Greek goddess but originally she was from Libya. And then they'll keep going. They'll speed right past that. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> Libya is in Africa. Libya is on the continent of Africa. Right. So wait a minute. <laughs> they just said her origin is African. But they don't ponder on that. They don't dissect that. They don't go into that any further than that one sentence. And so what I'm doing is, no, we're going to sit here and, we gonna sit here and uh, think about the implication of that. That's what's not being done. There, there are scholars who there's a there's a one scholar in particular. He wrote a book called Black Athena, and it had European scholars all up in arms, especially because it was a European man who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All up in arms because he said in his book that not, Athena originally was a black goddess. Not only was Athena a black goddess, but all the Greek pantheon starts off in Africa. And he goes down through scholarship. Now, he's talking the language of university scholars who then rose up to debate against him and to try to pull down his scholarship. But this man is still embroiled in debate today. 
about mm-hmm. a book he wrote decades ago called Black Athena. So, you know, anyone who, who, who wants to, you know, call that to attention that this is not the first time that this type of thing has been done, they are 100% correct. However, what, I'm not just giving historical images, and I'm not just going to show you some pictures of some old, dusty, beat-up, broken uh, <laughs> uh, pottery, pottery either. I'm creating... Right cutting-edge illustrations done with Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, you know, 3D models that really are going to bring these characters to life. Kate, would you not. be opposed? would you be opposed to uploading a couple of those, you know, a few of those images as you're going along at BSFS so we could kind of take a look and get a flavor of it? Oh, not at all. You know, I've actually, um, I, do, I have a page on black science fiction, uh, or the Black Science Fiction Society page. Right. Um, and I got, you know, images from inside the book. They're already there. If you want me to share them oh, anywhere cool. else, I'll, I'll put I'm them wherever. No, no, no. Yeah. I didn't know that they were there. So that, no, that gives me something to do uh, while I'm uh, having my wings later. Um, the, well, you know, it, I'm giving up a Friday night every week, you know, so I got I to gotta have some kind of, Payoff for me, you know. I'm, uh, I'm not mad at you. I, I, no, I, no, had no, wings be- I had wings before I called you. <laughs> oh, see, and, and you didn't bring enough to share. All right, thanks. I'll remember that. Um, okay, now, when are you? Okay, so if you get this done in January of 2018, we can look for it to be available for sale and probably look for you to be touring around. And if you're touring around and going to these various expos, that's another thing that you should put up on Black Science Fiction Society in the events calendar. So if somebody in this in a city on a Saturday is looking for something to do, they could see that, oh, well, we could go check Keith out, you know, and, and that so I'm just reminding you of that too. Think about putting your itinerary up as soon as you have places to go. And and I'm okay. I'm serious, you know, I, I would love to see you here in Chicago first of all, because it's a very culturally rich city, and the Black Women's Expo is huge, man. I don't know how many people I saw at this thing. And, and you know, a couple celebrities, you know, walking through and stuff like that, but it seems like the perfect venue for you, you know, because you're going to talk to, you're going to talk to your target audience, you know, one-on-one, but, but in such a great, uh, such a great gathering. Um, I, I can't wait to kind of watch and see how you handle it. Um, have you thought further, and, and you're going to do your online social media marketing and campaign, um, have you thought of who you might want to get to do a forward for you, a notable, you know? At, at this point, I have I have not pinpointed anybody. I you know there, I haven't given that any serious thought at this point. Uh, I mean, now that you've asked me the question, uh, there are, there are a couple of people who I would love to have you know do a forward on the information, um, but uh, that's something I'm still considering. No, I, I was just curious. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot or anything because. You know, a lot of times that will help you in your marketing, too, when, oh, let's just take a name out of midair. Like if like if Oprah did your forward, 
you know, obviously you're going to get a certain amount of cachet out of that, which would be really cool. I think that would be great. Um, yeah. I don't know if she does that sort of thing, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, okay, so you've got that I like ahead of you. I'm sorry? I said I like how you're thinking. Well, look, if, you, if you're not going to aim for the top of whatever it is you're trying to do, who are you really selling short? It's basically your own self. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Um, one of the uh, the uh, when you talk about this book, this is really exciting. I know you're going to be busy with it, you know, until the end of this year, beginning of next year. Do you have any other projects that you have in process that you'd like to talk about that we don't know about? Um, the the projects that I have in process other than that are, you know, my continuing education program, um, sure. which I teach. Um, it, uh, it's, it's based around black history before slavery. It's based around understanding uh, liberal arts and metaphysics and uh, you know various success principles that I feel are very important for us to know to to understand and fully apprehend. Um, because the, the, I believe that our our future success is tied up in that information um, that we need to wrap our heads around. You know, I'm a self, I, I'm a I'm a primarily self-taught person, and I believe that the future of us as people, the future of this planet, is going to be based around how much education we're willing to put ourselves through. How right. how much. Are, willing to utilize this information superhighway that we have access to via smartphones and via Internet portals in our homes, um, and, you know, how much we're going to really tap into that. We're Not only that, we're in the age of Aquarius. We're in the age of the knower. So that means we, we have access to information that, you know, quite frankly, our ancestors died for us to have access to. And we need to start taking that a little bit more seriously, and that's a part of the my project that I'm, you know, continuing to work on creating uh, educational uh, workshops and presentations that speak to that, how we can take advantage of the opportunities that are available now because we have the Internet, because we have uh, more information about solar power, because we have more information about how to eat eat properly so that we can you know, not, uh, you know, fall out at 50, you know, with all these ailments that we don't need to have because we just have a, a poor diet, you know. Sure. Um, it's important, you know, that's the kind of projects that I'm, you know, continuing to work on while I'm, you know, uh, doing the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, being a pretty much almost like a lifelong resident of Detroit, I'd like to talk to you. I, I, what I want to do is I want to ask you, how is this whole uh, white conservative gentrification uh, going for for Detroit? I mean, are they are they still managing to displace people of color? You know, knock everything to the ground and then build up some you know housing that that's priced out of uh, reasonable range. I mean, how is that whole the whiting of Detroit going, or is it not really catching hold? Oh no, it's, it's, everything is going according to plan. Uh, 
And when I say that, you know, D.C. went through this. Chicago, your hometown, went through this. And we're just we're the next domino to fall. And they 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 plan this out. And so they're working their plan. And you know, quite frankly, I can't be mad at that. What I'm more interested in, though, is our part in that. You know, we have I, – I, I lived – I grew up in several communities where <clears throat> there would be, like, three or four houses on a, on a block and then a lot of abandoned homes, tall grass, okay. gar- right. garbage, that. And my issue with my people is why don't you take yourself out there and clean up your neighborhood? Because – while gentrification is going on, we still have thousands upon thousands of homes that have been taken. Uh, so a part, a part of the plan, that how they worked it out in Detroit was predatory lending came through like it came through everywhere else. And sure, a, lot of sure. people, a lot of the you know, people who own their homes, their grandparents own the homes, or their parents own the homes, they refinanced at a higher rate when the – Everything flipped over, everybody got underwater, and they abandoned the home. They just walked away from it. The bank sees the homes, and there are so many of them, though, that a lot of the banks are like, well, skip it. You know what? You could have it back. Just pay the taxes. And so there are, there's still plenty of opportunity for everyone, not just white people. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of gentrification projects going on where all of a sudden – you know, uh, the missing resources that we couldn't seem to find. There was no money. There was no <laughs> Now all of a sudden it's magically delicious, and everybody, you know, the, all these white people can all of a sudden, they got grants and scholarships and sponsorships, and all these things are happening now because they've been given the green light, and so all of a sudden the resources appear. However, those of us who do have some education, those of us who have built some, you know, economic resources, we can take advantage as well. And we need to be about the business of doing that as opposed to being caught in victimization mode and just looking from afar at, look, oh, look at what they're doing to us. We, we, we need to take a time out for that. Get busy. There's plenty of work to do. There's plenty of vacant lots. There's plenty of places where we could go build a community if we so desire. Right. Gentrification is going on apace, just like they wanted to. We can't stop that. Yeah. That's something we can't do nothing about. What we can do something about is if I got an abandoned house next to me, go cut the grass. Go see how much the taxes are. Go buy that home. Go put a community garden there. Go put an extra house there. Go put a playground there. We have plenty of opportunity to do that if we'll only open our eyes and realize that and take advantage of the opportunity that's available now because now all these resources are here. Now, what do you think is standing in the way? What do you think is standing in the way uh, of black folks not only finding out but realizing that 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 potential exists right now in, in 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 such a huge way? Miseducation is the the biggest barrier, which means that there's a lot of us who don't even know certain things are possible because we weren't educated in that area or we were told the wrong thing. The next thing that's standing in front of us is the fact that we have fully embraced this representational government, which means that we think that our representatives should go down and fight for us. Our mayor should go and do that. Our 
state representatives should do that. Our congressmen should do that. Our senator, nope, nope. Get your ass off the couch and go down there to that community meeting and find out what they're talking about. Because that's where they're talking about how you can access the grant funds, how you can access the resources that are now flooding in. you got to get up off your butt and go do that, though. And because many of us have become complacent in our love and our trust of government, because even even if we know the government is corrupt, and at this point I don't know who doesn't know that, but even if we know, we still somehow trust these people to go and work it out in our best interest. How many of us are going to the school board meetings? How many of us are going to the city council meetings? When I tell you every time I show up, it's like going to see the usual suspects. It's me and the same 50 or 100 people I see all the time. When it's when it comes to community program building and community education, it's the same people I see all the time. There are brothers and sisters that we're very diligent. We need more. We need more uh-huh. of us participate. Actually participate. Not watch it on T V, not film it with your smartphone and then put it on Facebook. We need you to go sit your butt in the seat, take some notes, file some paperwork and get down to business. We need now, more. Can you, you know, can you and the fifty get elected as aldermen, or you know, what, what, what kind of political power? And I know we're kind of getting away from your creativity, but this is part of your creativity because this is part of you. Um, what, what do you think can that can be done to maybe, you know, follow in, you know, what I briefly mentioned at the beginning? of us taking control of our communities to the exclusion of of not us, you know? Well, there, there's so much to be done, and it, it speaks to, right. you know, what, what I said earlier about, you know, my, my areas of expertise and interest lead me so many places. You know, I um, at this point, you know, I, I'm sitting down to do to do a, just a couple of things competently, to do them as excellently as I can. Uh-huh. Um, but my plans do, you know, I do see myself in the future, you know, uh, creating uh, a, a school, a real school, a real school that people okay. can go to and learn these things that I'm talking about. I am looking forward to participating more in my community. I don't know where that's going to lead. I you know, I I can tell I can tell you some of the things that I've perhaps seen in my dreams, but you know, no, I get what I you're saying. No, I and and you, you know, it's tough to lay out a plan because in in a, in a, especially in community redevelopment, it's really tough to do it alone. Yeah. Yes. So you you have to identify other stakeholders who are going to support your efforts because you know you you yeah. you know you can't do it all by yourself. What do they say? No man is an island or some nonsense like that. But um, I was just yeah. wondering because <clears throat> you you look at okay, let's go back a few years. You look at Ferguson, you know where what's his name was shot. And and I think the town was 70% black, but uh, almost all the city officials were white. 
you know, and you have to wonder how does something like that happen? Do we yeah. get complacent or do we just not want to run or, you know, what's the deal? And and so this is tough for me um, because I, I'm trying to plan out a realistic way of making things happen, okay? A realistic a roadmap, you know, or, or you know, a primer on on getting to the point of self-determination. Yeah. Um, so I was just, you know, I, I'm always curious what what's happening in communities. And, you know, a lot of that gentrification money here in Chicago, yes, you know, you, the, uh, the Cabrini Green Housing Project, one of the most famous ones in the world, you know, there isn't a high-rise left. And, um, you know, they that was some of the most expensive um, land in Chicago. It was on the near north side, excuse me, just a little bit west of the lakefront. And so, you know, developers have wanted that, that land for decades. And, yeah. you know, it's funny when I drive through that neighborhood because I used to take care of the computers at, uh, at one of the churches there. When I drive through that neighborhood and see white women jogging, you know, at night, I'm going, well, things yeah. have certainly changed around here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, a part of what we have to get to, which our oppressors are very good at, is playing the long game. Yeah, is playing is playing chess for the end game, not just you know we're right now because once again we keep getting poked, so we keep we're we're, we're we think in the now and in the past, so it's like oh man they're doing it to me again oh they're doing it again oh and it's like we have to we have to carve out some space for ourselves to start making long term goals and long term plans. Because none of this happened overnight, and we're not going to fix it overnight. But we do have to consider that there is a long game involved. I might, I may not be able to do all the things that I envision, but I got sons. My sons are going to have children. Mm-hmm, I need mm-hmm. to, I need planning and implementing for them, so that you know, a few decades from now. So what's my anti gentrification plan? How how am I helping to empower my children to carry on my vision? You know, I'm I'm sitting with my son, who I've taught. I know graphic design. I know 3D modeling and animation. I've taught my son 3D modeling and animation, and he's he's ten times the animator I'm at. I am, and probably will ever be. Yeah. And so, if we can get into you know, it's a mind switch. We. Uh, a big piece of this is how we get our minds right. That's so important. Education is a keystone. We have to get into thinking. It's not a crime to think, not at least not yet. And so we need to take advantage of every moment we have to to really open up the potential of our minds to these issues that we have and to consider that, you know what, it's not going to happen overnight. But what could we do in a year? What could we do in five years? What can we do in ten years, twenty years, thirty years? Because we we have the answers inside of us. We we know it. We look around. It, you know. You know. You 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 just you on your end of the phone. You know that there's about thirty things that you should be doing right now, but you can't do them all because you you're just one man. 
Well, that and the ankle bracelet. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that'll hold you but back no, too, no, man. but I, I know what you I know what you're saying because you know let's just uh, one of the things that I'm looking at here is uh, our mayor closed 50 schools mostly in disadvantaged neighborhoods, all right. And one of the things that I've been looking at is maybe picking up one, two, or three of these schools and converting them into entrepreneurial live space, almost like. Not necessarily artist colony. Maybe one will be an artist colony, one will be a tech colony, but this will be live workspace. And schools are great. I found this uh, this module that you run cold water to, and um, it's it's got a bathroom on one side and a sink on the other, or the kitchen on the other, and you can turn these classrooms into, you know, loft apartments. And and there's a and then in the basement, you know, every school's got a lunchroom. They've got, you know, most of them have a gym. Most of them have this. There are other amenities that you could put in there. Schools in Chicago all have fences around them because way back when we had Mayor Daly, the son, he had some friend of his who owned a, a, a black metal, black iron fence company. <laughs> so city council passed a law that, Every school, every gas station, every grocery store, anybody who had a parking lot or open space had to have a big-ass black fence around it. So you've got, you've got these schools on a block of land, so you can have off-street parking. You can put in park area, more trees, uh, you know, a playground. You've already got a playground. So I've been looking at doing that and trying to create pocket communities. Okay. I'm not sure if that's going to work, but that's one of the th- you know, like you said, there are 30 things I could be doing, but it's tough to find the time and, frankly, the money to do them all. You know? Yes, I do. I, that that so, that is that is a part of our that's a part of the struggle. That's that's a challenge that needs to be overcome because yeah. we yeah I share that you know I, th- we have the same opportunities here. There there. There are hundreds of abandoned schools that they just literally, they just walked away from and boarded up. The rooms are good. They have all the amenities that you spoke of. They could be schools. They could be living spaces, entrepreneurial. They could be uh, uh, business incubators. They, I mean, the sky's the limit. But we well, do. let me ask so you this. If you, want, if you want to start a project like that, I already have the plans to do it. So you think about that. Think about a few people you could get together. You know, you can make the city of Detroit give you the land. Um, well, think about it. If you, you know, if it's something that you want to do, I, I would definitely, uh, you know, jump on Megabus and come up there. That's a joke. I'm not riding Megabus. You know, I think Megabus has like chickens walking up and down the aisle and. Uh, you know, people smoking it and stuff like that. I I really get this Eastern European idea that that's what Megabus is all about, and I'm probably wrong. You know, somebody will probably call up and and correct me nastily. But but see, that's the thing. My my thing is, in order for our community, the African American community, to thrive, we have to we have to achieve a level of self-determination that we have not achieved yet. And that's, I think that's, you know, I may end up sounding like a broken record over the next two or three years about that, 
but that that's for sure one of the things that I really think is going to be key in in turning some cultural things around. Absolutely. You know, we, the thing is, we have done it. We've done it, and we've done it and done it again. We, we when when slavery was over. Do you know how many black towns actually popped up on the map? Like a whole absolutely. town. Oh, absolutely. So done it, and they tore it down. We've done it, and they destroyed us economically. We've done it, and they literally dropped a bomb on some of the communities. So that just me, what, what that informs me is that we're, we're not stupid. We're not slow. We're not lazy. We are shell-shocked. We are people walking around with, uh, this war syndrome, and we're we're walking around with so much mental and emotional damage that we just deal with that we don't address. That is that I, that that I believe is what's holding us back. Not the lack of opportunity, not the fact that we can uh, we can and we have, and I do believe we'll do it again. We just have to get into that into the right mental spaces where we can get ourselves together again to become self-determined. Well, you know, a, a large part of the issues now is not necessarily that we don't have the opportunities. We don't trust each other. I don't trust Dr. Umar to put, to, to put together a school because I don't know what he's going to do with the money. I don't right. know what he's doing the money that he's gotten. I know that he has some he has some ideas that I can get on board with, but that – you know, the issue I have with him is the issue I have with a lot of us because, well, if I give him the money, how do I know he's not going to run away with it? If I invest, if we do this group economics <laughs> thing, how do I know that I'm going to be properly compensated? How do I know they're not going to be paying their rent with it and buying cars? And I don't trust you. Yes, and, and, so, and you know what? You were taught that. to think that way. Yeah, but you were taught to think that way. And, not just and taught, when, not just taught, well, wait, 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 wait. I, I agree, I agree not just taught, and I agree that there is prudence in, in what you're saying and, and what your concerns are. But you know when all of that started? That started in the, uh, the, the middle 60s, at all going to the early 70s, when they were handing out that, you know, all of that uh, black neighborhood money. I forget what they called it. But, and, and there was so much corruption, so many people went to jail. But but you're right. Yeah. You can't just yeah. line up behind somebody because they've got a big mouth. You have yeah. to know what kind of person that is. Do they have the integrity that you want to, that, that is right. required to work with them? Honest, and, and are they an honest broker of whatever it is they're supposed to be doing? So, yeah, right. there, are, there are lots of hurdles, but a lot of them, oh, CETA money. That was what they were giving out. They they were passing out that seed of money to pastors and black community leaders. And what they were doing was they were setting us up again for to for that zero sum mentality and yeah. and and corruption and corruption. Yeah. So yes, you're yeah. right. It's going to be tough. But if you get a nucleus of six people together that you've known for a while, that makes it a lot easier. And and then what's going to happen is you're going to have all of these opportunists trying to jump aboard, you know, trying to climb aboard, you know, and, and ride your coattails thinking that, well, man, if I could get in like this, I'd be in like Flynn. I'd get me an apartment and everything. 
Um, so, yeah. so yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. You, it, one of the things that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to screen out those of us who who ate what was it? Was it the red pill that was the bad one in the Matrix or the blue pill? Who who have, who have decided to to yeah. eat the pill to 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 you know play the game the way basically white folks want us to play it. Right. Um, and and that, that's, that's to play to lose. And that's to play to lose. And I don't want to lose anything. I don't want I don't want to give them the satisfaction. Uh, we we did get kind of political here. I apologize for that if that bothers anybody. But you know what? Politics is also part of art and art is also part of politics. So uh that's uh that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well you um, know absolutely Absolutely, art has something to do with that because, so here's here's the best thing. When you really want to change somebody's consciousness, art is the one thing that has the ability to transcend race. It has the ability to transcend religion. It has the ability to transcend politics, um, to strike right at the heart of your consciousness. So it, it, it all these things are intertwined, and I'm very conscious of that fact. Uh, and that is a big part of why I'm doing the book the way that I'm doing it, because I am I am trying to awaken and empower our consciousness first, and, so and even an awareness, and aware yes, all of that, so that we can begin to broaden our horizons and and start this process of healing that we need to go through, and then. Uh, of exerting our will on our environment. That's what you know. Mm-hmm. We we have become. We've all fallen prey to our environment, and we feel victimized by it. And it's set up that way to perpetuate that. And you're right. They have. They've been playing these games with us to set us up so that we we get in these contrived situations, and and then we look at each other like, aha, see, oh, it it, it actually is our fault. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. They set you up from the beginning, and you just didn't even see the setup. Um, well, well, you know what we're suffering from? We're suffering from cultural PTSD. Yes. Yes. That's what it is. And so that's what we have to heal from. And I believe that art is the thing that can be the catalyst for that. So, well, you know, the, you go in the direction that, makes, that you've been going, it makes yeah, perfect sorry, sense. That's yeah. what's going on. That is my agenda. You have you have uncovered my hidden agenda. I am trying to oh. influence. Po- I'm trying to influence politics. I'm trying to influence <laughs> education. I'm trying to influence religion and relationships through art, through yeah. scholarship. Well, and, and and one of the things about art, you know, whether it's music, whether it's visual, whatever, in a lot of instances, the art sneaks past, you know, a cultural, political, whatever, um, uh, defenses. You know, because when you're listening to music, you're not necessarily listening, well, oh, that's just Whitey trying to make me do X, Y, or Z. Or that's just a perpetuation of uh, this, that, or the other thing. You know, a lot of that, a lot of art works on an unconscious level and, and can be very effective in opening up lanes of thinking in someone's mind that might that that would not be possible if you were trying to talk to somebody if you were trying right. to talk somebody into something 
So, yes. you know, that makes perfect sense, especially when you're talking about the young. You can excite the young with art in a way that you can't with uh, making them read a book. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do, absolutely. So, this makes perfect sense. Um, I'm serious about if you come down to the Black Women's Expo or anything down here, let me know ahead of time so we can get together. Um, I invite everybody that I interview to Chicago because if they do get here, you know, I figure the least I could do is for for having turned in a great interview, I can take them to lunch. And if I really like them, I'll take them to dinner, you know. Uh, Well, anyway. But um, that's, that's, uh, I, I think that you have picked a good entree into getting this particular work in, into what are going to be your thought leaders in terms of, you know, uh, re- regaining some realistic and truthful perspective on, on where black women sat in civilization, you know, 10,000 years ago. So I yeah. applaud you for your effort. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I, to, to me, black girl magic has always been a real thing. And I'm mm-hmm. very excited to present that that back to you know the 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 my mother. I'm, I'm excited to present that to my grandmother. I'm 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 excited to present that to the women in my communities because you are so important. You know they they yeah. are. You know with without them there would not be me. I, I have so many stories of the positive influences of black women and other women of color all my life, you know, things that they've done for me, doors that they've opened, awareness that they've helped to awaken. And if I could just do that a little bit for some of them, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, to, to me that's the goal. That's the ultimate give back. Yeah, so. yeah. And and I really, I would really like to see your book catch on with, with girls, you know, Um because they could go, well, okay, look what Wonder Woman has done to little girl culture now. There was a, uh, that text going around where a teacher detailed, I guess, a dozen or so incidences or, or, or things that Wonder Woman provoked in her classroom, in her, I don't know if they were kindergartners or first graders, and, you know, the awareness of woman power um, where where all the girls, there was one uh, one of these things where all the girls wrote down all of the powers that they were going to have, each of them were ha- going to have so that they could share and not, and you know, not just take someone's powers, you know, that they wanted to have. And, and just, you know, changing the narrative is very, very powerful. And and coming at it from an artistic perspective, I think, is just brilliant for you. And, um, you know, thank you for doing that, man. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, I've had great fun tonight. I hope you have. Um, It's good catching up with you again. It's, you know, I, I have to admit that sometimes I don't always remember if somebody comes back, something specific, but when you told me you were the ex-cop, I remember, you know, I remembered a lot of what you said before. And it, and it's good seeing where you're going because you didn't have this idea last time we spoke. 
Yeah, you're right. I was um I was still primarily doing the uh the community education programs. Um mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I had picked off a program where I, I taught several young people how to make video games. And um you know, I'm because I do understand the power of the media, it's a big part of what I'm trying to do is help to empower more of us to be able to uh have a command of that medium because right. that is that's how we communicate with one another. That is how we share big ideas and how we, uh, you know, uh, propagate uh, success and how we propagate just health, you know, just being healthy and happy and successful. And we do that through the media. We're attacked through the media all day, every day, and most people don't even understand the method of attack. If I, when I, yeah. when I, breaking down, you know, uh, how colors actually affect your emotions, how sounds affect your emotions and your thought process, and how these things get used against you in movies, radio, television, uh, the Internet even today. And we are clueless yeah. of attacks. It's like, no, we have to sit, let's just sit down and dissect how media affects your mind, and then let's give you control over that. Let's show you how the colors work. Let's let you create images that are going to be healthy and sustainable for you and not tear down your self-esteem just to get you to buy some gadgets. You don't need oil of Olay. You got melanin. You don't need to, you know, burn <laughs> burn your hair follicles out of your brain uh, right. and put all crazy chemicals in there because your hair is so naturally powerful and curly if you put some coconut oil in it and do it this way, you'll be fine. You know. Yeah, just don't eat any of that coconut oil anymore. We found out it's got too much saturated fat in it. You know, it was supposed to be some miracle thing that you eat that was going to make everything come true for you. And, uh, you know, well, you got to watch those fads. Nothing in an industrial world is going to be good for long. You know, once once it's discovered that, you know, Something is good for you. You know, like you had some of the, the pop stars going down to South America doing ayahuasca, uh, the plant, and having these profound spiritual experiences. And now you can go buy a tour down to South America and go have yeah. a shaman, you know, give you this potion. And it's like anytime industry and capitalism puts their hands on anything like that, they're going to turn it into garbage. Yeah, that's um, true. So it's our That's job true. to to continue to seek out what's real, what's <laughs> true, and what what works for us. Because quite frankly, we're all individuals, and you know one one remedy that works for me it might work wonders for me, but bec- that's because of my chemistry. It might not. It might hurt you, but because right. Right. we live in this society that wants to monetize everything and turn it into a product that everyone should be able to buy off their shelves then that's what turns it into the bull, you know. So we, we just all have some education that we need to engage in to find out what's going to work best for us as individuals, and then I believe that healthy individuals in turn make healthy communities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, keep keep up the work that you're doing because I think it's going to be, uh, I especially think this, this coffee table book is going to be great. Um. I can see me parting with some more money of mine in uh, January. But um, I I really want to thank you for being here. 
and and letting us know about this because I think it's an important an important piece of work and and it des- the the information about it deserves to get out. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you all uh, inviting me and uh, taking the time to uh, hear some of the things I have to share, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and if I ever, you know, get up the nerve to go to one of the um, Black Age conventions up in Detroit, uh, I'll, I'll let you know, and maybe we can get together and, you know, maybe grab lunch or something. For sure, that'll be awesome. If you're if you are ever up here, yes, please let me know. I, we do have we have a, a black comic conference coming up. I do believe it's either in August or September, and I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be a, I'm supposed to be a speaker there. I'll be speaking on uh, the African origin of superhero concepts. So uh, that's always a, a you know exciting presentation where you know where I talk about where some these ideas behind Batman and Superman and, you know, Wonder Woman, where these ideas came from in the first place. Right. Um, that's right. an enlightening presentation. So I'll be doing that at, at this year's Black Age of Comics uh, here in Detroit. So, yeah, if you come up, please let me know. Yeah, we, we, I extend the same invitation to you. We'll go out to lunch or Thank dinner you. and have a nice time. Cool. Thank you very much. Um, we've just about run out of time. Hang on, you know, after the show ends, you know, in case anybody has any last-minute questions for you. But hopefully okay. Jarvis is not downstairs eating his wings, and uh, he can come up and uh, help close out the show. Um, I'm not sure who we're going to have next week, but we're going to have – I mean, we always have somebody good whenever we have a show, and that's most Fridays. I want to thank everybody who definitely shows up to check out the show when we live stream it. And also want to thank those of you who pick it up as a podcast, either at TalkShoe or on YouTube. Um, and, oh, um, Keith, do you think you're going to be able, I mean, do you think you're going to link to this show so people can learn more about you? I think it's something that I want to remind people to do because um, you've got, you've got a, a nice website here with, you know, a lot of information. I'm talking about the um, Africa Perspectives one. Yeah, I will. I, I'll put a link on my site for that. I will. Okay, that. cool. Let's get let's get let's get people to know more about you. And uh, let's see if uh, yeah, okay. Jarvis is putting links in there, but I don't see his mic on. Um. There you go. Hey, I'm getting old and moving slow. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, I just want to thank you everybody for supporting the show and what we're trying to do. And I was uh, sitting back just absorbing all the great information and the love from Brother Keith. And I, I love individuals that are genuine like this and generally look out for the community at large and not just um, just for profits. But I really... I'm just sitting back here really astounded, as always, by Keith. I've been that way since uh, I met him. I had the privilege of meeting him at one of, in person in one of the um, Black Age of Comics events in Detroit a few years ago, and we've been friends ever since then. And <clears throat> if you guys need, uh, well, once he finishes his book, once you need, if you need some 
graphic design work done, he is top notch. But let's all make sure that we support him, not in just words, but when his book is available to run out and get it. And, I, I mean, you guys keep me broke buying all these books and stuff, but this one is well worth it. Everything that he does is top notch. And I'm sure you picked it up by um, his um, interview tonight. And as always, I want to thank William for keeping it entertaining and doing a great job of keeping the show rolling. He's the heart and soul of Genesis Science Fiction Radio. We could not do it without him. And again, I want to thank everyone for supporting what we're doing, whether you tuned in or you shared it online somewhere. You're greatly appreciated. Wow. Well, that's, uh, well, thank you for uh, the compliment. I, I, I enjoy doing the show. Um, and like I said, all the time, I I get to meet people who I never who I never would have even known about, you know, in terms of black creatives, and uh, to me that makes it all worthwhile. So anyway, on behalf of everybody who uh, all the people who makes this happen, which is uh, you and me, um, Jarvis, <laughs> I want to I want to thank I want to thank everybody for hanging on and and listening to the show live, and we'll have a new show for you next week. So. Until then, have a pleasant weekend and a good week ahead. All right. Take care, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.